0: The Mariners and Mets have swung a deal involving a trio of relievers. We'll break down the deal and answer some of your mailbag questions coming up. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, July 3rd, 2023. This is Teddy Gonzalez and Colby Pattonhead for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by Ibotta ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing right now ibotta is offering our listeners five dollars just for trying ibotta by downloading the free ibotta app using promo code mlb Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. It's Mailbag Monday, the show where we answer your Mariners questions, but before we do, we actually, have a trade to talk about. That's right. The Mariners have sent Chris Flexen, who was recently DFA'd, and Trevor Gott to the Mets for lefty reliever Zach Muckenhearn. Now, the Mets have already DFA'd Flexen themselves, which is really interesting because it's been reported they're eating all $4 million of his remaining salary. They are also eating the roughly half a million dollars left on Trevor Gott's contract. So, Colby. This deal is really weird from the Mets' perspective. I actually get why the Mariners did this, um, but the Mets have essentially paid four and a half million dollars and a controllable asset in Muckenhearn and, and doesn't really matter in this case if Muckenhearn is anything or not. But he is a controllable asset at the end of the day for a guy that just recently came off of the IL. Obviously, was really good in April and May, but has been terrible his last three outings. Uh, his last two outings since coming back from the injured list, getting hit hard a lot. I think he's given up three or four runs since then. Uh, and he gave up five earned runs in his last outing before the injury as well. Um, I know this isn't exactly how it works, but the the Mets just essentially signed Trevor Gott to a $4.5 million deal midseason, which blows my mind. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I don't quite understand... What the Mets are doing because they're not a good team. Trevor God is not going to help them all that much. Um, And Flexen, you know, I I guess they could DFA him and then they could just sign him to the minor league deal and and stash him in Triple A. But you don't give guys that you're going to stash in Triple A four million dollars. You know, uh, you don't give that up to to have the right to get them when you could just go out and sign them after they get after they clear waivers. So. Not exactly sure what the, the Mets plan is here. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense on the surface. Um, <clears throat> it's possible they really like God, and, and we know the Mets money, they, they waste it, right? I like that's just straight up the Mets waste money, and this is a waste of money. Um, and I know a lot of fans wish the Mariners ownership would waste money like the Mets do, but they're not going to. So the fact that they were able to save four and a half million dollars and all it cost them was a guy that they were going to the guy that they had already said they don't want around because they DFA'd him and, um, middle reliever, which is the easiest, most replaceable thing to find. In fact, you have a couple of those guys already in AAA, a, uh, ready to take God's place. So yeah. Um, I don't think that, um, uh, I don't, I don't think that the Mets are good like, I, I don't think they're a well-run baseball organization because I don't get why you would make a move like this it just you got marginally better at best and it still costs you four million dollars and you're a team that's not even like close to a playoff position right now why
0: I, I don't understand it it's really strange it's really strange so I've been told that Matthew Festa will be the one who takes Gott's place in the uh, Mariners bullpen uh, we know that Darren McCacken is with the club. He uh, was in the clubhouse yesterday as they got set to uh, head on out to San Francisco, which that series starts tonight. You can catch all the action on the mayor's hometown broadcast with Sirius XM via the SXM app. Um, I'm being told though, that that McCacken might not necessarily be the guy who makes the spot start on Wednesday for Bryce Miller. If Miller's unable to go and there's a, a real possibility right now that um, Miller might actually be placed on the 10-day IL, um, which we'll we'll get into in a second. That's not as bad as maybe that sounds. Uh, So don't sound alarms. Just, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. But um, McCacken might only be up to eat some innings over the next two days. And then Wednesday could be a bullpen day or it could be Tommy Malone. So we'll see on that front. Um, But yeah, so so Miller going on the IL potentially, uh, again, doesn't isn't as bad as it sounds. Um, if you thought that he wasn't going to be able to make the start anyway, you can retroactively put him on the, IL, on the IL to Friday. And then you got the all-star break coming up. I don't think he was slated to make another start. I think Wednesday was, yeah, Wednesday is supposed to be his last start before the all-star break. So he's only missing that one start. He'll be eligible to come off of the IL once you're out of the all-star break. And you're probably going to reshuffle your rotation anyway coming out of the All Star break, so it's probably not going to be you know Miller's spot in the rotation to start things off, which is what it would be scheduled to be if it was just chalk right now. Um, so that's not really anything of concern. Um, the other thing here, though, with with the got trade is you know maybe this starts to open the door for guys like Isaiah Campbell and uh, Prolander Baroa, and um, you know maybe someone like Travis Kuhn, someone like that. Um so we'll see uh we'll, we'll see what comes of all of that but for now I'm being told that it's going to be Festa uh, who's been pitching well down in Triple A and um and then they'll go from there uh but Muck and Hearn will be reporting to Triple A uh which has been the report so on him I mean do you have anything on him cuz I don't have a lot on him yeah um oh, guy who struck guys out before this year doesn't walk
1: guys Lefty 90 91. It's pretty, you know, three quarters arm slot. He's just a dude, he's just depth. You could easily yeah. turn around at DFAM. Um, tomorrow you could DFAM for well, I mean, you don't have to for Festa or uh um, McCacken, but you could DFAM whenever it's not a huge loss. Um, and you know, the Mariners also can put uh, can put Penn Murphy on the 60 uh, if they really need a. A forty man spot, also. So, yeah, Muckenhirn is is just a dude. He's depth, but you know, also just a dude. Taylor Saucedo, and that one worked out just fine. So, right whenever the Mariners grab a pitcher, you gotta you gotta pay attention a little bit. Gabe Spire, you know, we we talk about this time Justin and time Topa.
0: again. Justin Topa, Justin Topa, Trevor Got, yep, Trevor Got, <laughs> yep. yeah. So always have to pay attention to that Muck and Hearn, former I believe eleventh round pick. Uh, by the Orioles in 2017, Uh, was transitioned to the bullpen fully in 2018. Uh, He ended up making his way to uh, the White Sox organization for about a year, year and a half, and then uh, eventually made his way to New York. Um, Had a cup of coffee at the Major League level this year. Three innings pitch did not go well for him, and then he was sent down to AAA, and that's the extent of his Major League experience. So maybe the Mariners have identified something there, or maybe they were just like, Hey, give us something for got and the the money that you're taking on. Whatever the case, we'll certainly keep an eye on Zach Muckenhurn because that's the reputation the mirrors have built for themselves. You always have to keep an eye on these guys whenever they add them. All right, so we are going to be beginning Mailbag Monday in just a moment, but first a reminder: this episode of the Locked On mirrors podcast is brought to you by Ibotta, picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue. You know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the promo code MLB when you register. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Again, you can catch the Mariners and the Giants tonight on the Mariners hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. All right, so we got a little sidetrack there because there was actual news on a Monday. But now we are back to our regular scheduled programming with Mailbag Monday. It's time to answer some Mariners questions, folks. We're going to start with Max here who asked serious question why can't we be the 2022 phillies the 2019 nationals you have the talent go get the big bat we need get to october your thoughts i mean yeah you could be but you got to start winning you got to start winning now because again i'm sorry to say it again because i've said it a billion times over the last week and a half two weeks on the show but You have to incentivize Jerry DePoto and and Justin Hollander to actually go out and get aggressive at the trade deadline. And the only way you're going to do that is by winning games in the month of June and now in the month of July. And you didn't really do the first part of that. So now you have to make up even more ground in July because even those teams that you mentioned, they weren't hovering around 500 at the trade deadline. The um, Nationals were 57 and 51 at the end of July that year. And the 2022 Phillies were 55 and 47. So mm-hmm. roughly you need to be six to eight games above 500 to be in that position. And yeah, I think that's that's where you need to be if you're going to incentivize Depoto and Hollander to actually get aggressive at the deadline. So,
1: Yeah, I think you got 24 games until the deadline. Um, realistically, you probably have to go 16 and eight um, to give yourself a shot uh unfortunately you can't just like wait until the results of those 24 games are in before you decide whether or not you can go by a bat so you kind of have to make a a split you know a judgment call here but uh you certainly have the talent for it uh but you know just it's just hard to buy that this team is is going to reel off any kind of consistent win streak um you know like winning 18 out of 26 or whatever because Mm -hmm that just haven't done it at all this year. Their longest win streak all year is four. Their best 10 game stretch is seven out of 10, but then they immediately went out and lost seven of 10. So they just been bouncing back and forth between two games over, two games under 500 for the better part of six weeks. So just a little hard to trust, but could they be that team? Sure. They absolutely could. They have the talent. They have, uh, they have a superstar who's not playing like a superstar right now. So that's something that uh, can, you know, turn around uh, really at any time they have a couple of guys who are cold and they're starting to heat up. They're getting contributions from, from the bench finally, or from, you know, depth pieces. Uh, and the pitching is still really good, even with a couple of blowups here and there. So yeah, they could, they could be that team. Uh, but it kind of has to start now uh, is, is that's the only thing it has to start now. And you had a tough seven game stretch here before you get uh, to the all-star break. So it kind of starts by going four and three or five and two uh, in, on this road trip, uh, which, isn't great because ideally you'd like to be in a position where you can go three and four and, and be like, okay, well, you know, whatever. Uh, but you're really not in that position right now. So yeah, the next 24 games are, are absolutely critical.
0: Thank you for your question, Max. Now we have one from Garrett here. How much of a disaster is it for the organization to only have one Mariner and the all-star game? It's disaster not. Seems, disaster seems a little strong. I mean, look, it's disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. It's disappointing. You it's have the all-star disaster. game in your backyard. Um, you would like to have more than one guy there. Uh, I will say you this: I think will. there's, I think there's hope. Yeah, like like Colby said, I think there's hope that there's going to be, uh, you know, more than one Mariner when it's all said and done. A lot of pitchers end up dropping out because of the scheduling. Um, McClan is are
1: on the IL, so he's already yeah. needs to be replaced.
0: We already know that Judge and, and Jordan are, are most likely not going to play in it. Uh, so yeah. there's two outfield spots right there because Jordan wasn't voted in as a DH, so that's a actual real outfield spot that could be filled by someone like Julio Rodriguez, um, Paul Seawald. I think deserves to get in. I, I think he's one of the uh, the biggest snubs uh, for the American League. Um, so George Kirby, George Kirby, maybe Logan Gilbert. Even though it's been pretty up and down lately for yeah. him, I but,
1: don't think Ker- I don't think Gilbert finished strong enough uh, yeah. to whereas Gilbert did. So yeah, I think they'll probably end up with at least two, maybe three, Um, but it's not a disaster. It's not, Um, you know, it's not the first time that the host team has only, only had one all-star. It won't be the last. I remember what two years ago is in Colorado. Who cares? Right. It's, it's not a
0: different expectations for those two teams of Rocky.
1: It's, it's still not a disaster. It's an exhibition game at the end of the day, at the end of the day. Like, do you even want your guys playing? Do you really want Luis Castillo to pitch in the all-star game? A meaningless game? Cause I don't, I know he's going to, but I really don't just like, I kind of don't want Julio to do the Derby. Um, I just, I don't want to take any unnecessary risks. So uh, disaster is like the king of overreactions. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but I also, at the end of the day, I could not care less how many all-stars your team has.
0: Leave it up to you to hyperfixate on the disaster portion of the question. It's
1: just, it's a it's a terrible way to, to frame it. Is it a disaster that this meaningless baseball game is only gonna have one guy wearing my hat in it? No. <laughs> no, that's not a disaster
0: uh thanks for your question garrett uh brett here wants to know if you had to make a decision right now based on where this team is at would you trade teoscar Hernandez at the deadline or hold out for an extension also who is the most likely mariner to get traded this deadline thanks guys love the show all right so first part of the question teo if it's only you know either or extend him or trade him i'm extending him and uh, of course in this you know context we're assuming that he's open to the possibility of extent uh, of an extension um i'm extending him though because like he fits the window and he's playing better and i believe in Teoscar oscar and it is, at least oh, bat wise now like, you do now you believe in Teoscar oscar and well what,
1: what's, like what he, tune were you singing three weeks ago ty so frustrating and i didn't think
0: that he was going to be a part of this thing long term i really didn't i really and i and i still think that that's probably not going to be the case i, I think that teo is gonna head elsewhere in free agency or maybe he gets traded at the deadline depending on where the mariners are at uh, i just i don't think that teo will be in a Mariners uniform but if it was up to me right if it was just either or trade him for whatever you know whatever i think he could net you or Extend him? I'm extending him because I think Tay Oscar Hernandez helps you more in, to, uh, in 2024, 2025, and 2026 than whatever you could get for him on the de- at the deadline.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not trading whatever I can get for Teo because I could always slap the qualifying offer on him. And if he wants to accept it, then I'm totally cool paying him $20 million for one year. It's one less thing I have to go fix this winter. Um, and if he doesn't and another team wants to give up a draft pick to, to sign him, then I'm fine with that too. So uh, unless the the player I'm getting back is going to help me more than the draft pick, no, I'm not trading Teos. If somebody wants to overpay, I, I'd consider it, but I, I'm not trading Teoscar Hernandez for you know a couple of double A arms, one of whom might have a chance to start and be a number five and and like a bullpen guy. Like no, that's stupid. I wouldn't do that. If somebody wants to give me my Pete Crow Armstrong for my Hobby Baez, then fine, I'll think about it, but. Those deals are so rare. Um, that I would just I just wait and then I'd slap the qualifying offer on him, try to work out an extension. And if I can't, then you know, I'll just take the draft pick. So yeah.
0: That uh, wasn't the question, Colby. The question was right now, trade him or extend him. What no, you it doing? said
1: right would you trade him or would you keep him and try to extend him? Read the question again, Ty. All right, let's bring it up on the
0: screen real quick would you trade oscar and at the deadline or hold out for an extension all right hold out for an extension gotcha gotcha boom second part of your
1: question the mariner most likely to be traded at the deadline
0: thomas murphy (laughs) Uh, um i think murphy might end up netting you something that's just too good to refuse because like thinking about it more right like again think about how rare that kind of player is at this time of year. <laughs> like It's perfect, think too, because he doesn't have any club control. Think about how important that player is if Cal Raleigh tears his thumb off again and you're in the middle of a pennant race. Ooh. Well, okay, but that's that's assuming the Mariners get back in this thing. I'm more so looking at that. If you're trading Mariners, right, it, uh, that to me is trading pieces off of your major league roster when you frame it like that. Maybe you're just talking about anyone in the organization. Emerson, you're back. talking but if you're talking about trading actual pieces off of the major league roster, you're probably selling to a certain degree. And to me, that guy is Tom Murphy. Never. Uh, The guy most likely to be traded
1: is probably AJ Pollock. (laughs) Uh, No, I think Murphy's probably a good one. If you are selling, selling. Uh, And then I I do think that they'll shop Seawald, uh, you -hmm. know, Uh, and I would not be shocked at all. If they traded Ty France or a Eugenio Suarez. I really wouldn't, and, and that would be more of a, a lateral move instead of a seller's move. But yeah, I, I don't really don't think there's any. I think the the pitching, starting pitching, including Wu, is probably going to be off the table this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Julio is definitely off the table. Uh, Cal is is probably off the table, and I'd imagine JP is is just a guy that you're not going to get enough value for to really trade. Um, other than that, I think just about anybody could be had. Uh, if the Mariners are truly selling or if they're kind of going, you know, half in half out.
0: Thank you for your question, Brett. You're listening to the lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Again, you can catch the Mariners and the giants tonight on the Mariners hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. Got a question here from Peter. Peter wants to know, has Mike Ford improved his trade stock from quote unquote, non-existent to quote unquote, if someone's desperate. And will this be a situation where they could sell Ford while buying his replacement slash better bat? No. Uh, the second part of the uh, the question, no, because he still is at the end of the day a first base slash DH type with and really um, just a DH. And, and, Let's be honest. Yeah, sure, and very Uplatoon little track, very DH. little track record at the major league level too. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think you could trade him for something. I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to knock your socks off, though. Um, You might get another guy like you got
1: today. (laughs) Like, wouldn't you just rather run with Mike Ford and see how much you can extract out of him?
0: Yeah, like Mike Ford could maybe be like the Darren Ruff of this deadline or something like that, you know, but. I doubt it, but I don't see any trade value to Mike unless
1: he's uh, attack on unless it's like, oh, we'll give you. You know, we're trading Seawald. We really want this guy. You don't want to give I mean, us this guy. Uh, uh, well, we'll give you Mike Ford to help you off the bench. Fine. You know, I mean,
0: players worse than Mike Ford have gotten dealt. A lot of worse players with than Mike Ford have
1: gotten dealt. With as small of a track record, with no defensive probably. versatility and no speed, probably, probably, yeah, probably. There's but weird trades. All why the time. would you? Tra- why would you trade Mike Ford if, if you think Mike Ford is a legit one fifteen WRC plus guy? Why would you trade him? He has right. club control.
0: Yeah, how much club control does he have?
1: I don't know, probably two, three years, maybe four. I mean, you're probably not paying him an ARB. So he's out of options, so you do have to carry him. And he, is like I said, he's only right. a DH. So yeah, I just don't see anybody being all that interested in Mike Ford. I think most organizations think they have a Mike Ford in AAA. So I just don't see it.
0: Uh, thank you for your question, Peter. Mark here wants to know hope in the last two days were the actual Mariners would Jerry and co do a Graveman type trade with Seawall if it made them better for this year in the future or is he untouchable? No, he's not untouchable and it's a bit different of a situation than Graveman because Graveman was a rental Seawall of course has a little bit of club control remaining. Um, Yeah, yeah they, um, I think they're only dealing him because again, this goes back to the Teo conversation, right? Who fits your window better? Whatever you can get for Paul Seawald or Paul Seewald. And it's going to have to take a, a pretty special package for you to realistically say, like, that helps me more in the future than Paul Seawald does right now. Because you're going to yeah. try and compete next year. You are. That's just what yeah. your window dictates.
1: Yeah, Seawald is at least uh, above average high leverage arm. Uh,
0: yeah. I know we
1: keep on waiting for him to implode. I know the profile screams middle reliever, but he's not. Like <laughs> where it's been three, it, three years of this. Yeah. You Essentially know. two full calendar years and, and three seasons where it's, he's been the same guy. Mm. Sometimes he strikes out more guys, but basically it's the same numbers, the same yep. ERA, the same FIP, all that. So, and you get him for an, and you, he's only going to cost you like 5 million bucks next year. You're not trading Paul Seawald unless you're getting somebody who you think helps you more both this year and next year. Like I, I don't see them trading Seawald for, for prospects unless it's like, really close to the majors and and they love this guy like J.P. Crawford from a few years ago like they think they can find another J.P. Crawford or Ty France then maybe they would trade Seawald for a prospect but I I doubt it
0: yeah we have a uh, another question that that might be linked to this actually let's you know what let's just hop right into that one I was saving it for later, but let's just do it now. Uh, Todd here wants to know, thoughts on Christian Encarnacion Strand? He's one of many young Reds infielders who are seemingly blocked due to the talent they have. The Reds are looking for bullpen help. He's raking in AAA right now, and he has raked his whole minor league career. Uh, So I think if you were to get Encarnacion Strand, who's someone we've been asked about a lot, and usually we don't talk about. Particularly, like specific players on other teams on mailbag monday because it's more of a fan fiction friday thing but we will with this because i think it's going to cost paul seawald you know i mean like you're not trading andres muñoz and i don't think anyone else in your bullpen is worth incarnacion strand so colby would you entertain a paul seawald trade that lands you incarnacion strand
1: I'd really prefer to get somebody who is a like has some major league track record um I just I don't know I think you certainly have to consider it I just if you think he's a first base only type which a lot of people do then no I probably don't uh but if you think he can play third base I would definitely consider it um uh, and if they made the if they made that move I I wouldn't hate it Um, I -hmm. just, I would prefer that they go get somebody with some kind of major league track record, or at least some kind of, you know, even if it's only a couple dozen games, um, just some kind of proof of concept, but Encarnacion strand, if you think you can play third, if you legitimately think you can be an average third baseman, then yeah, I I think you should consider that for Seawald. Mm -hmm. If you don't, then no, I just, I don't want another first base only type on my roster. So, right. Yeah i would i would hold out for more and maybe it's I, may, maybe it's Incarnacion strand and something else right right and right. It, or like Incarnacion strand and nick sinzel something like that right mm-hmm. um for seawald uh that maybe that maybe that makes it uh you know closes the gap there but we'll see i'm, I'm certainly open to it but i don't love it
0: yeah i agree and uh It would be funny, though, to see the Reds buy from the Mariners a year after the Mariners bought from the Reds Uh, multiple times. Yep. (laughs) All right, last question of the day comes from Nick. And by the way, thank you, Todd and Mark, for your questions. Uh, Nick wants to know, when, if at all, will we see Gabby Gonzalez hit Everett? Maybe after the draft, because, I mean, naturally, you're going to have at least a couple guys who hit Modesto coming right out of the draft. So um, maybe that's the opportunity there. What do you think? Yeah. Again,
1: you don't want to be too aggressive with guys. Um, This is, we get, you know, Michael Arroyo going to be in double A by the end of the year. No, (laughs) like like you you really don't want to be too aggressive um, with guys, but this is, uh, this is his second year stateside, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's obviously a plus. And yeah, after you get, you know, after you get through the draft, a lot of those guys are going to get assigned to, ball. they're going to get assigned to modesto um particularly the college guys so yep. yeah it, it is entirely possible that that pushes a couple guys off of that modesto roster in, including gonzalez um maybe Arroyo, but eh, probably not uh probably cole young uh gets pushed up as well so mm-hmm. yeah I, I think right after the draft which i think starts on sunday does it start on sunday i think or it's on sunday yeah it's on right. sunday so yeah. sometime in the next oh i don't know well they have until August to sign these guys, so I would guess sometime around August 1 uh, they would probably consider, at that point, they would consider moving up Gonzalez and, and Young to make room for some of the new draftees. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think he probably does finish the year at Everett. I just don't know exactly when that's going to happen.
0: We talked about Arroyo eventually maybe making his way to Everett before the end of the year. Could you see them accelerate that after the draft and just say, you know what, let's let's see it? No, um, I know it's wanna, super unhinged, but you, you <laughs> to don't want
1: to, you don't want to, Axel Sanchez, the guy, all right. The yeah, Mariners were yeah, really aggressive with Sanchez, and it took him a couple months to find his footing in high A. And you just, you know, it's not the end of the world because he's turned it around as of late, but you don't want to rush guys unnecessarily, so um, you want to make sure they're comfortable, you want to make sure they're ready. Uh, because again, it's just, it's another culture ge- change. You're going from Modesto to Everett and there's a new clubhouse, there's a new ballpark. There's, it's a whole bunch of new stuff. You're in a new state. Um, you're even further away from home. It, it's just one of those things where you want to make sure that the guy's in a really good spot, uh, both mentally and obviously, you know, statistically. Um, so I think they could do it like for the last couple weeks of the year, but mm. I think what they would really like to do is they would like Arroyo, to stay down in Modesto all year, clean up, produce, and then just start him next year with the knowledge that you're going to Everett. You're going to start the year in Everett. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of you know, change plans accordingly based on how he finishes off this year. But I, I really like the idea of just, like, just keep him down there for the yep. entire summer. If you really want to push him into Everett, fine. Give him a couple weeks. Don't overexpose him. And then just have him start next year uh, with the Aqua Sox. That would be my
0: preference. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tyden Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, S-T-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well over at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day. And if the Mariners win, we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.